It's mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Our scripture today and every day for 2017, Psalm 65, 11 says, You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. That's the scripture for the whole year. Amen. Today, I, I, I am going to be focusing on ladies, but men, you can just substitute and, and uh, you'll get something out of this as well. Okay, I'm just checking. I think sometimes I need to remind people that they're not on TV, it's live, and I can see the expression on your face. <laughs> oh, I'm a funny guy. Women need to see themselves like God sees them because there's never been a time in history when there's been so much pressure on women and their looks. You know, the world has put the wrong perception on women that if, if you don't look a certain way, yeah, you're not a, 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 a real good-looking woman. If you, if, you, if you gain a few pounds, if you don't wear your makeup just right, and if you don't have the hair with the new thing, then uh, you don't measure up. And I'm here to tell you that is the wrong perception. We need to see the world the way that Jesus sees them because we all look through different lenses. We all look through different lenses, and those lenses... Even your pastor and everybody else, we interpret things the way that we were raised, how we were taught, and uh, some of those things were wrong. Ladies, God wants you to have the right perception of yourself. The word perception is a process of, of acquiring, interpreting, selecting, and organizing sensory information, receiving, collecting, action of taking possession, apprehension, with the mind of senses. Knowledge gained by perceiving. God wants you to get the right knowledge so you can have the right perception. Becoming aware of something via the senses. So most women, when they're looked at, they're judged by how they look. God does not judge you by how you look. Men, you're catching on. By the end, you should be shouting, and man, I'll tell you what. The best kind of perception is this, ladies. Are you ready? To know how much your Heavenly Father loves you. I know that's a simple thing. But if you know that you are loved by your Heavenly Father, no matter what, if you gain a few pounds, He still loves you. Your hair starts getting a little thin, He still loves you. You turn 80 years old and gravity takes hold of your body, he still loves you. There's a very great story in the Bible in John chapter 4. It's the woman at the well story. People can usually, if I say the woman at the well, they know what this is. And in verse 5, I'm going to read the whole story. It says, so Jesus, he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, bearing, being wearied from his journey, he sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, which is noon. That's exactly noon, 12, straight up. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, 
for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus said unto her, verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of living, of water springing into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. I have no husband. The woman answered. Answer and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the, woman, the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Jesus is breaking through some barriers here. He's not just having a conversation. Why? Because the first thing that was brought up was rejection. She said, you're a Jew. We're Samaritans. Jews don't talk to us. They have nothing to do with us, number one. Number two, she specifically said, I am a woman, and you are a man. You're talking to me. Why are you talking to me? You have to study Jewish culture to know why she's saying these things. First of all, Jews were up here. Samaritans, they were way down on the totem pole, number one. Number two... In that culture, men were up here, and women were way down on the totem pole. Men got educated. Women did not even get educated during that time. So men did not even acknowledge. You go into a room, a man wouldn't even acknowledge a woman back in those days. It's like, you don't exist. And so that woman going, what are you doing talking to me? First of all, I'm a Samaritan, and I know you're a Jew. Second of all, I'm a woman, and you're a man. What is going on? And so she was having to fight through all of this, and uh, it was brought up that she'd been married five times. And when I was younger, I used to think, well, this woman, I tell you what, she's just uh, like a prostitute. She's going from man to man to man to man. I'm telling you what, she's just not a very good woman. I had no clue about the Jewish culture. It's exactly the opposite. A woman could not get a divorce. Only men had the authority to be uh, able to give a woman a divorce. She could not ask for a divorce. She could not get a divorce. It was illegal. She didn't have enough authority or power to do that. Only a man could. So what happened was there had been five men who rejected her and gave her a divorce. Why would five? Now, you know, there again, you have to study. In today's culture, five divorces wouldn't probably be that big of a deal. But back then, I mean, five divorces is like, what? That is huge. Why would a woman get divorced, or the man divorce the same woman five times? She couldn't have kids. More than likely, I can't say that for 100%, but more than likely, you study when back in the same culture, if a woman couldn't bear children, the man divorced her. 
I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts. And it didn't take five years to do that. A couple of years, you know, I'm divorcing you. So it brings out the fact that she came at noon. That is not the time for women to draw water from the well. It was usually the first thing in the morning, the cool of the day. Women came to the well. But she came at noon. Why? She gives a hint. She said, uh, give me this living water that I don't ever have to come back to this well. Why was that such a big deal? Well, obviously, if she was probably at one time coming in the morning when all the women came, and the women started making fun of her. Oh, here she comes, the woman who cannot have children. Here comes the baron. Here's Miss Baroness. Come on over here, Miss Baroness. They probably ridiculed her, made fun of her, rejected her. So she quit coming in the morning. She came at noon when nobody was there except for Jesus. This was not coincidental. This was not just an accident. This was the Heavenly Father God reaching out to a woman who's reject among the rejects. I remember growing up in church, and in my church, I sense even as a young boy that men were up here and women were down there. We did not, I said we, uh, they said that a woman is not permitted to speak or teach over men. You know, and the Bible teaches that. The Bible says that. It does not teach that. The Bible says, don't let a woman be permitted to speak or to teach and all of that. You have, and so we took that as face value growing up in church. And so the woman, you know, you shut up and you keep your place right down there. All right? If we want something, we'll ask of it. That's pretty harsh, but it's true. I, I perceived that when I was a young man. And that went over to our family and our home. There have been many, many times that we would get together. We had, you know, there were six of us kids. I was the baby. But uh, when, there would be times when we'd all get together and have a huge meal. And the women would just get in there and work and work and slave over the stove and everything. And, and then the men would come and eat and the meal would be over. And the men would leave the kitchen and go and watch TV and hang around on the couch and not lift a finger. Yeah. And so when I got married, I just sensed that God saying, you know, that's not when I said I got married. It wasn't at the beginning. There was a growth process for me. But I realized, you know what? I should help out. Not with the cooking. She does not want me to help her with the cooking <laughs> because we all want to eat. But when it comes to the cleaning... I get in there and help clean. And there's times that my wife would say, you know, no, Mike, I got this. You go ahead and sit down. But there's times, you know, I would say, no, you go sit down. What was taught in the church just came over into the, to the homes. And I tell you what, there's sometimes you'd see women that were grumpy. And I, after a while, with a, a lot of perception, you realize why. Nobody said thank you. I cooked. 
and I clean, and not one thing, finger was lifted, and nobody said squat. And then we wonder why they're a little grumpy. I'm preaching real good. <laughs> Let me say this, ladies. Now, having heard this, if you try to force your man to do something, you're going to have strife and division. So what's the key? The key is keep bringing your man to church and eventually they'll learn who they are in Christ and the love of God is going to be exposed to them and they'll want to. There's a difference between being, if you're trying to force something, it never works. But if there's a want to, you're going to have heaven on earth. So this woman was rejected by the Jews. She was rejected by men. She was rejected by five men. She was rejected by the women. And she probably thought, because she couldn't bear children, to be honest with you, she probably thought she was rejected by God as well. So through all of this rejection, Jesus, the Bible says he was a man of sorrows, a man who was rejected himself. So Jesus was going to bear and become rejected on the cross, bear all of humanity's rejection on the cross. But before he even do, does that, he comes and ministers to the reject of all the rejects. Because there's a woman who's hurting, who has no body, who comes by herself to the well. And she says, I never want to have to come to this well again. Give me this water so I never have to do that. Well, we can read on. Verse 20, John 4, 20. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? So she turns it over to, to religion now. She's getting, you know, all right, I'll just change the subject. And so she starts talking about religion. And so God wants her to know what worship is all about. Verse 22, 21. Believe me, my dear woman, the time is coming when it is no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. First of all, he, he's so just super sweet to this woman. My dear woman. He's addressing her. Instead of making her feel like she's down there and he's talking down to her, he elevates her and says, my dear woman, listen, worship is not about a place. You Samaritans think you know, but he says, really, the Jews know because salvation has been given to them. He says that uh, in verse 22, for salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming indeed is here now, not in the future. And by the way, religion oftentimes tries to put everything in the future. You know, when we get to heaven, we're going to be healed. When we get to heaven, we're going to be prosperous. When we get to heaven, we're going to have victory. That's religion. That's what religion does, always putting it off. But God says it's right now. It's here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Again, she's looking off to the future, and Jesus says, then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Wow. I mean, wow. So all of a sudden, not only is a Jew talking to her, not only is a man talking to her, she knows that the Messiah 
is talking to her. How special does she feel at that point in time? Listen to me. I just feel funny about, listen to me. I don't want men thinking that, okay, I'm going to have to do the dish. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to, just by what I said, because I feel like somebody's not getting that. Love should never be a work. Love should never be a work. We have made it a work by saying, you know, I have to just walk in love. Bless God, I just have to walk in love. What we are doing when we have that mentality, you becoming, you're, we are trying to make uh, love become a work for us. And you cannot fulfill that. I know. Because I go, man, I just need to love my wife better. I'm just doing a terrible job. I got to try harder. I got to work at it. And I just got to try. And that lasts for about 24 hours. Thank you for all your enthusiasm today. <laughs> love should not be a work. It should be a fruit. It should just come out. Galatians 5, 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things. It's not something that you have to force yourself to do it. And as religion tries to make it that you should, you should do this and you should do that. That's called religion. And they may do it for a while, but after a while, it will fail. Then you will have division, strife, arguments, headbutting. You never, you'll hear that a lot of times. You shut up. You always, you never. You know, anytime you hear those words, there's an argument steaming. Love should not be a forced issue. It should be something that it's manifested from what is going on on the inside. And all men, all women who are born again have it. We have that love. I just felt like somebody needed to hear that. So, Jesus also wants her to overcome religion. Jesus wants her to overcome all of the rejection, but he wants her to overcome religion as well because all of this rejection and all that's going on, Jesus ministers to this woman and she is so special to the kingdom of God that she becomes the first woman to preach the good news to a whole tribe of people called the Samaritans. You know, because we, we said that uh, growing up, you know, women aren't permitted to speak. Even not realizing, you know, and you got to realize men would sit on this side, women would sit on this side. The women were supposed to be kept silent. But they started speaking up. They started hearing the gospel and they didn't totally understand it. So they would yell over there, honey, hey, John, what, what does this mean? I don't understand. So it would disrupt the service. So Paul came out and said, hey, I don't want you all speaking. Do you understand why? Because they weren't educated in understanding. He says, hey, just when you get home, talk to your husband about it. So what the church did, they interpreted, you women need to shut up. You need to be quiet. You're not supposed to be teaching. The Bible says you're not supposed to be teaching. It was because they weren't even educated. Jesus permitted it encouraged it 
And to be honest with you, I mean, it's 50, women are 50, what are they? At least 50% of the population. Do you think God in his awesome wisdom would say, okay, I'm gonna take 50% of the population and act like they're not there and not let them be, be part of the building the kingdom of God? Really? Really? But that's what the church has done. There's people like Joyce Meyer and Melody Davis. They, they can preach circles around most men. Joyce Meyer was so convicted when she, if you're not familiar with her, you, uh, she has one of the largest ministries on the planet. And I remember years ago, she said this. She said, I just feel like, you know, God called a man, but he didn't step up, so he chose me. I totally disagree with that. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I believe God says, you're the woman, Joyce. I'm putting my anointing upon you, and you're the woman. I'm going to raise you up, and you're going to preach the gospel around the world. And it's not because you're a plan B, because the plan A was some man. No, you're plan A for me. If I ever meet her, I'll tell her that. God has, always has, always will use and cause women to be vessels in which he can thrive in and minister to all people around the world. Hallelujah. John 4, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days and many more believed because he of his own word because of this woman's word she ministered the gospel and jesus stayed there two days and probably thousands of samaritans were born again were saved and believed in god and verse 35 that's in the middle of this story jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. Now, Jews thought they were up here. Samaritans are down there. Jesus is turning to his disciples. He says, I'm going to give you a little teaching nugget right here. He says, you're talking about the harvest. And he says, I'm telling you, the harvest is already here. It's white. And this is what you have to know about culture is that Samaritans, their culture was they wore white garments. They wore white. And so Jesus sits there and tells them, don't think about the, uh, the harvest like you think. He says, they are already white for harvest. What is he saying? It's time that you quit thinking Jews are here and Samaritans here. God and his love has elevated everybody. Whether you're Greek, whether you're Jew, whether you're male, whether you're female, because the Word of God says, as far as God is concerned, it's not Jew, nor Greek, nor male, nor female. You're all part of the body of Christ, and He died and loves you all. Man is the one that tries to be divisive. If it's not between man and a woman, it's between the color of your skin or, or what part of the world you're in. We don't fight against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual thing. Listen, I'm telling you, the devil has done this for centuries to try to cause division. Because why? Because when people get together, there is nothing that can hinder what they want to do. It's the most powerful thing. So the devil says, I'll cause division. Now, one quick point. Isaiah 54, verse 5 and 6. 
For your maker is your husband. You could say your maker is your wife. It wouldn't change it. But your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. Like a youthful wife when you, ha- when you were refused, says the Lord God. He says the maker is your husband. Listen, ladies. Anytime that you feel like your husband is not the romantic guy that you watch on the movies. He doesn't do this. You know, so-and-so, my girlfriend, her husband does this, and you don't do this, and she, he does this, and you don't do that. It's real easy for women to make their husband the source of all things. It's your job. Not only to provide for me, it's your job to keep me happy. It's your job to make this, and it's your job, and it's your job. And you're not doing a very good job. I'm going to set you free today, ladies. When you feel like, and you will, if you've been married probably more than six days. <laughs> if you ever feel like he's just not, there's some chinks in that armor. Or the armor has fallen off. Forget the chinks. It is not even there. And the white horse has turned into a donkey. Listen to me. God is saying this. Your focus is on the wrong thing. Because human beings have never been equipped to become the Messiah for you. So if you feel like your husband isn't doing this and you feel like that, he says, you need to look at your maker who is your husband. If you feel lack and you're not getting what you feel like you should from your husband, then God says there's still a way for you to walk in victory. There's still a way for you to walk in happiness and joy and peace and love and and just feel like I'm walking on air because of my father. He has provided all things. He's even a husband to me. Now, I'm going to put the shoe on the other foot. Men, don't think, I am so glad I came to this Mother's Day message. I am free from all responsibility. (laughs) No. There again. When you know, listen to me, man. When you know who your identity is in Christ, you will realize that it's not, it won't become a work to minister to your wife. I know this sounds strange, but I don't mind doing dishes, cleaning up the kitchen. That is not Mike Davis talking. I don't mind doing things. I'm telling you, God put that in me. Why? Because I was taught by my, the culture of our family is the women do work, the women do this, and the women do that, and the women do this, and the women do that, and, then, and the men, we just do what we want. <laughs> I love to be a man. It's a great thing to be a man. I feel sorry for all you women, but you know. It's just the way that God made us. He made you a woman, a servant to all humanity, and he made men. <laughs> That's the way it was. I tell you what, I had, God had to take my mind out and wash it and smack it around and put it back in there and said, you need help, boy, if you want to have a great marriage. Women, you can't force a man to do this either. You don't listen to this message and go, I can't wait to get you home. 
I'm going to have a good Mother's Day. No, you'll have a terrible one. But my point is this. If you pray for your man that he will know his identity in Christ, and you keep your focus on Jesus, who is the husband of all husbands, you will have a happy, victorious life if he never changes another day in his life. It's not your responsibility to change. And I know women, I've even done some marital counseling and go, well, I'm just hoping he's changing. I said, then I'm not marrying you because look at him and you look at her. If, would you marry her? I mean, would you marry him if they never, ever change? Because there's a probability that may happen. May go. <laughs> then I know, okay, we got some more marital counseling sessions to go through. Marriage that cannot be on, she fulfills me. He fulfills me. Because there will be a day, there will be no fulfillment. <laughs> and it will come sooner than later. It's Jesus who fulfills all and in all. And as quick as we realize that, then you'll walk in the love of God automatically. It won't be, I just got to try harder. I just got to try. If you're trying harder, your focus is on the wrong place. It should be on Jesus. And then, man, I tell you what, it's easy serving my wife. It's easy doing dishes. It's easy doing this. What do you want, honey? You want a cup of coffee in the morning? You want this? You know, we used this, you know, growing up. Ah! <laughs> Real close to caveman style, you know what I mean? <laughs> your maker is your husband. Your maker is all things. He's all things. Let me close with this, John 19. I didn't mean to talk about marriage. It just came that way. John 19, 23. If you're single, that's why it's imperative that the man that you marry knows God. Because if he doesn't know God, you can rest assured that armor will fall off in weeks, not months. And let me just say this. Just because he says he's a Christian does not mean squat. If you want him to run him by me, I'll, I'll, okay. John 19, I'm meddling. Verse 23 says this, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, this is the redemption story. How many would agree that this is probably the most, the most important time of history is the redemption time, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Would everybody agree with that? The most important time of history. Okay, just want to make sure everybody agrees with that. John 19, 23 says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. In other words, that was a very, very expensive piece of clothing. So they were going to gamble for it. Verse 24, They said, Therefore, among us, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Verse 25, Now there stood by the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross now. There stood by the cross Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now you got the picture? You got these women down here at the foot of the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross, right in the middle of redemption. Verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by. Who's that? That's John. So you got John, you got these women, and you got John standing right by Mary. You got the picture? 
He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Now, Jesus is sitting there and says, mom, behold your son. He didn't mean him. He's looking down at his mother and he goes, mom, behold your son. And so he looked at John. John, behold your mother. And he looks at Mary. What is he saying? You're going to take care of her. She's going to be like your mother from now on. You understand that? And John did. The Bible says from that time on, John took care of Mary until she died. Listen to the importance of this. This is Jesus, the man speaking, has nothing to do with redemption. But right in the middle of redemption, Jesus puts redemption on pause. He pauses redemption, and he says, I got to take care of something else. I'm, about, I'm taking care of the whole world, all humanity. I'm taking care of everything from uh, Adam to the last person. I'm taking care of everything. But right in the middle of taking care of everything, he stops and he pauses and he says, John, you take care of my mama. Wow. 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 That's how much God loved people. I'm telling you, we, we made serving God about religious things and God says it's never been about religious things. It's been about loving people husbands loving your wives wives loving your husbands just loving people and listen in all of their messes and faults and ugliness and vomit and we all have that including your pastor but this one thing I know God does not see my vomit he's not sees my weaknesses he does not see my issues he sees Jesus, Christ in me, the hope of glory. First Corinthians, it says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. It's when God looks at me, he doesn't look at my faults. He sees Jesus, Christ in me. And therefore, all of the things that he has done for me can flow through me. Not based upon how good I've been or how bad I've been. Based upon Jesus and his love for me. That'll cause you to love your spouse better. Why? I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Now look, sometimes we treat our spouse, well, she didn't do this, she didn't do this. What we're saying is they don't deserve it. Is that really the road you want to go down? <laughs> because none of us deserve anything. We don't. But because of Jesus, we got it all. So I need to look at my wife. Oh, that's Jesus inside of her. So the Jesus inside of her deserves it all. Why? Because it's not Melody who's doing this for me. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You see, if we could keep our focus on Jesus, your marriage would be better. Your kids would be better. Your relationships with your friends would be better. Your relationship with your employer would be better. And it won't be because they're treating you better. It would be because you have a different perception, even though it looks like two different things. It's the same. It is the same. It is not that person. It's Christ inside of them. It's the same. But your perception will keep focusing on, oh, this is, you didn't do this. You're, different. It's, you're constantly seeing two different things. And God is saying, it is the same, Mike. 
Cut it out. You're just seeing and focusing on the wrong thing. Focus on me and you'll see that love will blossom outside of you, Mike. Victory will out, oh, it'll just explode inside of you. You'll be walking in victory no matter who or what is offending you or what garbage is coming against you. You'll be walking in victory, victory because your perception is on me. Woo! So nobody has to change. Listen to me now. Nobody has to change to make you happy. Nobody. The only person needs to change is you and your perception. Let's stand. One more scripture. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction. And in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of your past sins or even recall them. He will exult over you with singing. Your heavenly father is never going to look and recall anything that you've done wrong. In your relationships, when your mind has a tendency to recall past things that your spouse, that your children, that your friends have done, you can rest assured you're going to go down a road that will not lead you to the right destination. There may be some here that maybe you had a little rejection of your parents. There's been a little rejection in every child in some way, shape, or form because parents aren't perfect. So there could be a little bit of rejection there. There could be rejection from some teacher, from some person, some uncle, some relative, some teacher, some employer. And listen to me. But any time that we go down that road of offense... It will cause the love and the fruit that's inside of you to be smothered up. It's in you still, but it just gets covered up and smothered up to where you're not, your perception is not right. But if you say, no, I'm not going to go on path. Jesus is doing that with you and me, by the way, because that's scripture says he'll never recall. He will never bring to remembrance your past, your faults, your sins. He says, I'll never do that to you. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, the sin was taken care of. So you just thank God that your sins have been forgiven 2,000 years ago. Your faults have been taken care of 2,000 years ago. You're a believer in Jesus. So really, sin is not the issue if you're a believer in Jesus. Sin is just an issue if you don't believe in him. But if you believe in him, sin is not an issue. What is the issue? Perception. Where is your perception at today? On you, on your weakness, on your spouse weaknesses, on this weakness, it's going to take you and smother the love that's inside of you. It is smother the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But we're getting set free today, are we? I said we're getting set free today. Once you hear the truth, it sets you free. Woo! The devil, you know, because he knows what button to push on your husband to make you ticked. Why? Because he's done it before and you got an expression. You, you responded a certain way. He goes, she does that every time I call someone to do that. I'm going to do that every day. Ja-bing, 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 ja-bing. But then one day, you don't respond like that. You respond how Jesus responds. That will take the devil off. No, you're not responding. What, what, what are you doing? Everybody say, I thank you, God. I have love. Don't work for love. 
Don't try to get love. I've got it. Amen.